Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We've published some great episodes in the month of December, including a rewatchables with Quentin Tarantino on Dunkirk. Sean Fennessy sat down with Greta Gerwig to talk about her new film, Little Women, on the big picture. And Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett appeared on the Bill Simmons podcast to talk about their newest film, Uncut Gems. Happy New Year from The Ringer. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the 77th annual Golden Globe Awards. Amanda! Here we are! <laughs> Once more, we think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> we enter these things with great confidence, even knowing that the Golden Globe Awards are famous, famously wonky, messy, goofy, silly, stupid, and they have shocked us once more. 1917 has won Best Drama, which I don't think uh, either one of us predicted. We, in fact, did not pick that. (laughs) I think we thought all four of the other contenders had a good story. I I do want to say, you and I watched together, and you, I believe, picked Joker on our podcast, and I I picked The Irishman. And at at one point, you shared with me that your wife was going with Marriage Story, and, and we watched a Two Popes commercial, and I was like, well, it could be Two Popes. And I do think I said to you, we've now talked about the possibility of four of the five winners, which means it'll probably be 1917. Now, look, you and I are very lucky to have these jobs. We are. But I do not claim to know anything. Like, I'm just going to put this on the table here. I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> I know people who know stuff, but I don't know anything. And, and this is an example of having any confidence about doing any of this stuff. I thought a lot of Adam Sandler's character from Uncut Gems when that moment was happening, where I was like, this is what it must be like to be an awful gambler. I think I went like four for 14 tonight, some brutal number. I I think you and I are luckily tied at four for 14. I just want to remind (laughs) you that I very confidently said on the podcast, I think I got four wrong. That's true. And I thought that would have been impressive to only get four wrong. And four wrong would have been absolutely extraordinary. You would have been going straight to the damn bank on four wrong. Four right is tough. Interesting telecast tonight. I actually thought it was quite a dull show for most of it. There were some head-scratching picks. There were some entertaining speeches. Let's, let's, we'll get back to 1917 and all the races. We'll go through race by race. But before we do that, let's just talk about the telecast itself. Ricky Gervais returned as the host. Fifth time. He brought a, a unique energy to the show <laughs> this year, an energy I would describe as fuck all. I, I, he I, really did not seem to care. I think he literally did describe it as that multiple times <laughs> when he just told the audience to go fuck themselves. He was mercilessly bleeped throughout the night. Um, he really had the attitude of a person who would be happy to be anywhere else but at this award show. I'll be honest. I know it's not cool to say it. Kind of enjoyed it. You did. I I kind of enjoyed it. Not because I thought he was funny or useful, but just because it was different. I've never really seen that before. There was a train wreck vibe to it that you kept cackling at. Like you would just, he would say something and it would be silent. And then, and then you would react to the fact that nothing was happening, but him just like melting down. Well, I love the idea of people who work at a network or a famous person in the audience watching and just like, quietly recoiling at everything happening on stage. There's something kind of Joker-esque about that. And, um, I, you know, I, I thought Gervais was kind of like fake provocative most of the night. And a lot of the jokes were kind of like, ooh, look at me, but not actually with anything deep to say about anything, which is a lot of his humor in the last five to 10 years. But 
he definitely succeeded in, in bringing just a sheer nihilism to the performance. Yeah, and I thought that was the one thing that was a mistake. I, I don't really care about Ricky Gervais. Like, I didn't think he was very funny, but I wasn't offended. My main thought process through his monologue was like, oh, I really don't like comedy. Like, I, I don't <laughs> like the act of comedy or anyone who thinks that they're a comedian. It's just, like, not for me. So, you know, that's that's how I spent my time tonight. But Good I, Twitter bio for you, by the way. <laughs> comedy, not for me. It's, it's really not. I just don't care. I don't think it's funny. But I agree that the show is boring. And it felt, like, purposeless a lot of the Mm. time. And, you know, some of that, you remarked as we were watching all the commercials for, like, whatever weird NBC plane show that they were debuting. And it would say when it was airing on NBC, and it would say, like, and streaming the next day. And there were commercials for Peacock and Amazon and FX and all of the platforms. And it was just very clear that this is a network TV just like dying right in front of our eyes. Yes, it was a stegosaurus slowly falling to its dinosaur knees. And so hiring someone to stand up on stage and be like, this doesn't matter. On the one hand, it's true. It really doesn't. It's very putting his finger on on the truth of the thing. But you know, they're still trying to get people to watch this show for three hours in order to cover the advertising and to save their network. And it, I just, the Gervais just reminded me of like, oh, this, like, this is an outdated form. Like, this actually has no relevance. It didn't make me feel bad about committing my time to it, though, for some reason. Maybe that's just a a sick strain of my personality, Mm -hmm. but I, I never felt like, well, I did think the show at times felt purposeless. I didn't think that his, like, ruthlessly blase approach to everything I, I just, I, I, I like that there was, it was not the same old like back patty glad handing and also not the same um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler-esque like we're above it, but we'll also do the showbiz dance thing. You know, that that was always right. a, a characteristic of their three times hosting, I think, all of which were pretty fantastic. I, I love them as hosts, but the tonality of their hosting was always like, isn't this stupid, but also I will perform for it. This was the first time I ever saw anybody in this job go like, fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. I guess that's interesting as a one-time thing. I, I don't think you can ever do it again. You're right. Couldn't run it back. Yeah. And and he he swore up and down that he would not be back. And I just, I understand that reaction. I just spent the whole time being like, I'm being reminded so many different ways that I have complete control over what I want to watch now and what I content I want to take in. And I just, I really don't need to be listening to Ricky Gervais right now, which is not because he was offending me or because he was like spectacularly unfunny. I was like, I, I just don't need this. It's a great point. I wonder how, what percentage of humans who are watching television tonight chose actively to just throw on a streaming service instead of watch this award show, which is what they would have done, yeah. say, 15 years ago. It's a fascinating thing. Anything else to say about Gervais? I mean, he really just gave his monologue and then came out and kind of deep side his way through a couple of introductions. And that was really the whole show. That is true. I will say that the only kind of provocation that I was like, I'll give him credit for or that I will remember is every time he would just yell back at the audience, you did it, not me. (laughs) Shades of Amanda hosting a podcast. (laughs) He had a point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was it was unusual. I I look forward to the future hosts of the Golden Globes. I think we have now served our Ricky Gervais time. Yes. Um, other notable things from this TV show. Ellen was was feted with a with a big old tribute, the yes. Carol Burnett Award, which is now an annual award. Which I guess last year was the first year Carol Burnett won this award, and um, it was interesting. I 
I think on the one hand, Ellen DeGeneres is a hugely important figure socially because when she came out, that sort of changed the perception for a lot of people of the gay lifestyle in America and what a celebrity could be in the future. You know, the last 20 years of Ellen's career has been much more about being an extremely rich, famous person and uh, hosting a talk show. And I, I couldn't help but notice an American Express logo in the middle of the montage that, to her. That did happen. A, a career highlight montage included her being in an American Express commercial. That seemed like um, perhaps a subtle metaphor to a lot of the things happening in such an homage to Ellen's career. Yes, I agree with that. You know, I will say I thought that Kate McKinnon's speech to her was very moving and and funny. I, that was the one time I was like, oh, I do like comedy. And <laughs> and and you could see Ellen being moved by that. And so and and that's why she was on the stage. I I I think that's the reason that they can give her the award, or that's that's the stated reason. And then it is also because she's just been on TV for 17 years, like printing money for various people. Yeah, you know, the Hollywood Foreign Press gives out a lot of awards on this night. They give out awards to actors and actresses and writers and directors and even composers. And um Ellen doesn't really do any of those things. She hosts a TV show, but there is no best variety show category. So she used to be on a sitcom, but that was a long time ago. Why Why was Ellen at the Golden Globes? Because people who would not otherwise watch the Golden Globes like Ellen, and they watch her every day on t- TV, and or they watch the clips on Instagram. I got to tell you, on the Instagram Explore tab, like an Ellen interview with someone pops up, I'll watch that. I'll watch that stuff every time. I watch it in two-minute increments. You know, I also have a lot of thoughts about Ellen's uh, politics in the last 10 years that I'll keep to myself. So, but but I think that they give her the award because it brings a different audience. Let me ask you this. Where was Dakota Johnson? That's what I want to know. That's a great question. That was so good. For those of you who don't know, there's a, a legendary moment on The Ellen Show in which she interviewed Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson um, mentioned that she was having a Christmas party and Ellen said, where's my invitation? And Dakota said, I sent it to you. And she said, I never got it. And then they had a bit of a showdown. And I think Dakota came out on the other side of that one, the champion. She did because she, uh, Ellen had been invited, I believe it was her her birthday party. Birthday party, excuse me. And uh, Ellen was out of town. And Sean, do you know where Ellen was the weekend of Dakota Johnson's birthday party? Um, I Was she in Amarillo, Texas with George W. Yes, Bush? Yes, she was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was. Well, there you go. Um so yeah, Ellen was celebrated. That was fine. Um, I tend to enjoy these Lifetime Achievement Awards. I think one of the sadnesses of where the Oscars is now is because, you know, n- no offense, but demons like you complain about how long the show is. And so we have to lose things like Lifetime Achievement Awards out of the Oscars, which now gets sent to the Governor's Awards, which happened months ahead of time. And we don't get to hear about the great works of, I don't know, Sidney Lumet or Sidney Poitier or other great men named Sidney. And... Unfortunately, uh, we don't see that at the Oscars. We do see it at the Globes. And we saw another great tribute to another great man, not named Sidney. This man is named Tom. His name's Tom Hanks. This was, uh, uh, this was lovely. I was very moved by it. I'm just moving past all the slander. <laughs> we'll, we'll relitigate that <laughs> Again, at another time. Again, make the Oscars 14 no, and a half don't hours. don't make them. No, don't One make them One continuous long. shot. Make a good TV show. Make a good TV show that people want to watch. It's the only way to save movies. It's the only way to save TV. It's the only way to save, like, you, I, I don't know, celebrities in rooms together. Just make a good TV show. Anyway, 
I thought that the Tom Hanks was good TV because you know who's great? Tom fucking Hanks, America's sweetheart, gets up there, starts crying two seconds in because his family's sitting in the front row. I think it was, it was, was so he was on a lot moving. of cold medicine. I think it was because he was on. No, a lot of I think he is a nice person. No, he was like he was, someone had fed him rehypnol and he was he was fading out. And then he just goes into like your uncle who knows a lot about making movies and wants to give you advice mode. Yeah. It was great. Told you all about the gate. Yeah. You know, is the gate clean? Is it closing properly? Great stuff. Also, just watching the montage, I just, it was pointed out to me, I just really love Tom Hanks' work. And also, I was thinking about our podcast and the Hall of Fame, and I'm really mad that I caved on You've Got Mail. I should have put it in over Sleepless in Seattle. I'm just saying that now. I'd like to apologize to the many people who reached out to let me know that they would have supported that decision. I let you guys down. I will say um, I have not thought about that once since okay. then. I have thought frequently about how we left Saving Private Ryan off, which was you did considered, that. I, it was my fault, um, but I was reminded instantaneously upon that podcast publishing. In fact, it, that podcast went live, and I felt like three seconds later, people were like, "We're Saving Private Ryan," even though they had not listened to it. We nixed it. Saving Private Ryan did make an appearance in this montage. Um, You know, Tom Hanks has made like 30 bad movies and it doesn't matter because his good movies are so good and so meaningful to people. And his avuncular, sincere, just general good guyness makes people feel good. And he happened to be in a good movie this year, which is very helpful. Um, He did not win, unfortunately, though he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I thought his speech was great. I thought, you know, that's not really surprising. He he is professionally decent Mm -hmm. and... He seemed like a good person. He was very happy to have his family there. He was very happy to uh, pay a lot of respect to Martin Scorsese. I believe he gestured towards him three times during his speech, which was adorable. Um, you know, I, I just I wish that there were actually more things like this. I like to be reminded of the people I like making these movies. That's the whole point of these award shows. It's not to like break down whether 1917 is going to win at the Oscars. Like that's for us to do. The award shows themselves are to celebrate the great people and the great stuff. I still like that. I'm not disagreeing with okay. you. I had a lovely time okay. watching Tom Hanks. But you said what you told me off mic is you wanted more dance numbers from Cats to appear on the Oscars. <laughs> and I was like, Amanda, this is crazy. Why can't we just let David Lynch get an award on TV? No. Oh my God. And you were like, no, no, no. <laughs> Grizabella must must rise. I was like, wow, strange I, choice. It's, uh, you-, you came all the way around on Cats. Okay. All right. What else was interesting about this telecast? Should we talk about the Michelle Williams speech? Certainly. I, 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 I can remember its essence, though not its content. Well, the essence was about a woman's right to choose mm. and voting for um, candidates that reflect what you probably as a woman want to see in the world. You know what? Great what, message. What about as a man? Well, I don't think that she was talking to you as she, much. She wasn't. Yeah, but uh, you should feel free to vote for, you know, any woman that you see fit. Anyway, I think that I, I agree with the message. It was not, I think, what anyone was expecting from Michelle Williams accepting her award for Fosse Verdon, which I feel like she already, she won an Emmy for, right? Sure, sounds right. And I right. think she actually gave a really powerful speech when she won the Emmy for Fosse Verdon. I might be, con- I mean, Michelle Williams wins something at every damn awards show, so if I'm confusing them. But I do think it was at the Emmys for Fosse Verdon, and it was after the pay scandal for the movie about the Gettys that it wasn't the TV show. What was the call? All the Money in the World. Thank you. And it was a it was a very thoughtful and well-crafted speech about, like, 
valuing work and and valuing a, a woman's contribution. And she clearly writes these speeches out word for word ahead of time and memorizes them and then delivers them as like a good a, actor. Like a good actor. But I I remember being really, really enjoying that speech. And it's not that I didn't enjoy the speech. I just, I'm not sure that I was expecting it. And it and it did go on for a long time. And it was a bit roundabout because she had to get from Fosse Verdon to, you know, the election. And, and, and also, quite frankly, there has just been a lot of reporting about Michelle Williams' personal life in the last few days. And, and I feel comfortable mentioning that because Michelle Williams, um, like has been involved in the reporting herself. She participates. Yeah. So it was hard to focus. How about that? I think that's reasonable. Um, I'll say plainly, Michelle Williams, definitely one of the best living actors in the world. Yes. I thought Fosse Verdon was an excellent show and is all about my interest. Patty Chayefsky is literally a character in that show. There could not be a miniseries more interesting to me than Fosse Verdon, just in terms of what it's about. Um, I thought it was a good show. I'm glad she won. Very strange speech. I thought her, <laughs> her energy was very strange. She seemed like very upset, but also like her face couldn't move. It was just very odd. Yeah. Um, I don't want to besmirch her. Uh, I, I, I And I know she was passionate about what she was talking about. This was a very political night in general. There was a lot of talk about the fires in Australia throughout the night. Russell Crowe, who won, I believe, the first award of the night for his work in The Loudest Voice, but was not there to accept because he was taking care of it. And on his behalf, Jennifer Aniston mentioned this. This was not the, the last time that that came up. Obviously, there was a lot of talk about climate change in general. There was a lot of talk before the awards about going to an entirely plant-based diet at the at the ceremony itself, which is a choice that the Hollywood Foreign Press made, which is also a political act. And there obviously is some sense that we may be on the precipice of a war here in this country. There was some talk about that. It was a kind of like classically politically liberal Hollywood charged kind of night. Yes. Uh, which Ricky Gervais prefaced essentially by mocking it. And indicating, I thought, kind of amusingly, if not darkly, that all the people who pay for all the stuff that all the actors and writers and directors get to make are either using child labor or are uh, assassinating the economy to make happen. It's very complicated stuff. Not really what you wanted in an award show, nevertheless. Yeah, I think that's true. I, you put it best on the on our outline. Uh, you described him as the world's number one reply guy. Yes. And uh, he's he's doing... He's doing Twitter egg against liberal Hollywood. And, Truly. And I, I, what you said about liberal Hollywood is also true, but yeah. It's tough. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about some other acceptance speeches, but before we do that, I, uh, let's have a little, I think it'll be a little bit of a debate. Okay. One big problem that I have with this award show, and I know why it's the case, it's because there's so many awards. They have to give a lot of awards out. There's no musical performances. There's just one monologue. There's no bits. Just the awards. But they don't show, when the acting categories come up, any of the performances. So you don't get to see Michelle Williams portray Gwen Verdon and with, put those chompers in and hit that vocal tone, which is so strange, and get, give that physical performance. You don't see it. You don't even know. If you never saw the show, how would you know you'd want to watch it? You probably wouldn't based on that speech. So you don't see any acting clips at all, and I hate it. Okay. And this is something that the Oscars does. That is good. Okay. And must stay. I disagree on two counts, on two fronts, as it were. Uh, number one, it's just it takes extra time. No one needs it. We need awards shows to be shorter. I feel like it is like three in the morning right now, and it's been dark forever. I have not been outside my home. Yeah. I haven't spoken to anyone. Imagine how Joaquin Phoenix feels. Yeah. Okay. But here's the other thing. 
Those clips are not good advertisements for acting or movies. There is nothing weirder than the seven-second clip that someone chooses to show off their Oscar-caliber performance. Suddenly, it's all weird accents and dentures and people screaming. And it, it is the most, like, acting class, like, real of nonsense that you've ever seen. Um, I, I love you, but absolutely not. <laughs> like, this is a, one of the worst takes I've ever heard in my life. And I'll, I'll give you a very brief and personal example. Oh, God. Okay. When, I was a, when I was a teenager, oh, great. Uh, the American Film Institute's 100 Years 100 Movies special aired on CBS. You're a nerd. I, I claim to nothing other than that. That special, which was like seven hours long across two nights, just obscene, obscenely long but featured every famous person ever talking about these 100 classical American films. Did the exact thing that you're showing. Just showed you like seven seconds of Bonnie and Clyde. And in my mind, I was like, oh my God, Bonnie and Clyde must be the most important movie in the world. I've never seen it. I actually don't even know how to see it. But then I sought it out. Time out. But they do that in the context of people explaining what you're watching, why it was important, who the characters are, like what it's doing. So you're giving a note on the award show. Yeah. And no, I'm not. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't reenact every single dumb like movie. I, I actually, I hate it when they come to present the 10 nominees for Best Picture or whatever. You know what? If you're watching the Oscars and you don't know what the movies are, go do something else with your time. Amanda, I have some advice for you. Rather than watch an award show, maybe just read a book because it sounds like that's all you want. <laughs> no. You don't want to watch no. an award show. Yes, I do. I like it when they cut to all the celebrities doing dumb shit. Are you kidding? Okay. It's the only opportunity when all these famous people are in a room together and interacting and they don't know how to be humans and they're all like <laughs> drinking weird champagne, like double flutes. What is that with the small champagne? I don't know. And then the little cone. I don't know. Is it so, is it like an easier way for you to drink your own personal? Champagne. There were a lot to share. There were a lot of mauve-colored cocktails, which that just looks like like a Bond movie poison. Yeah, don't drink that. We've digressed. Okay, let's go back to the show. Okay, best acceptance speeches before we get into the awards themselves. I thought Rami Youssef's, which was one of the first of the night, was splendid. He was maybe first. Now that I think about it, I think so. Um, He won. uh, I guess limited series, which I don't believe his show is a limited series. Actually, I believe it was picked up for another season on Hulu, but. He's a very charming uh, comedian who had a show, I believe A24 produced his show, that was probably not very well seen, which is a fact that he acknowledged and (laughs) identified that maybe many people thought he was an editor accepting an award on stage early in the show. Uh, Rami is a very funny comic. I thought his show was pretty good, but it it was the kind of acceptance speech that I think does the thing that we're talking about, which is... A lot of people will probably walk away from that being like, who's that guy? I like him. Yeah. I'd like to see more things that he's in, which is, that's that's powerful in it, its own way. It shows personality. He also, um, it was right after Ricky Gervais had made the very snide comment about like, thank your God and your agent and go home. Um, and he did, in fact, thank his God. Yes, Rami um, is Muslim. Um, which, you know, which is not something that you see every day on American Network Television, so no. or an award show, at least. Which is a lot of what that show is about. Exactly. So that, but, you know, he did it in a in a pointed, but still kind of just keep it moving sort Elegant, of way. Elegant, funny, and smooth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then just gave a very gracious speech. Yeah, he was great. Um, you know, Brad Pitt. Oh, my God. Just fantastic I, stuff. I have to say, I there was a low point. Well, there are a lot of low points, but like kind of like 90 minutes in, and it was mostly TV awards. I thought the order of the awards was very confusing. A bit curious. 
Um, they were giving out kind of the bigger awards before, you know, actor, and you were kind of just jumping around and you never knew what was coming. Um, I like a narrative. But anyway, I was thinking about, you know what, at least Brad Pitt's going to win and I'm going to get to see Brad Pitt on stage for two minutes. And in fact, that did happen and it was glorious. He he gave, a, I thought, a very good speech. Gracious, calm. He He coined a nickname. LDC, which will live inside me forever, <laughs> referring to Leonardo DiCaprio. I love that moment. Um, very, also very gracious to Quentin Tarantino, obviously, who had a big night. And basically didn't screw it up. Yeah. Right? He's just on the conveyor belt to Oscar right now. Yeah. And all he had to do was just seem like a cool, handsome guy. Luckily for him, it just so happened that all the guys in his category were even older than he is, even though he's in his 50s. So he also got to be like, the young guy to say like, oh, I looked up to all you guys. I really admire you guys. Sir Tony Hopkins, you may recall. Yeah. They were in a film that is not very good called Meet Joe Black back in the day. Um, I just think he did everything he needed to do to keep the the, the trains running. Yeah. I, I just, I think the entire world was just like, thank you for creating a situation in which Brad Pitt is in a tux and not wearing a hat and just standing up there talking it was give us more what a what a mane of hair on it's, that guy I, jesus christ it's it's astonishing stellan skarsgård always been a big stellan skarsgård fan uh really enjoyed his speech for two reasons one um he cited uh the great filmmaker milos forman who passed away a couple of years ago and two he um commented on the fact that he does not have eyebrows which is something i have noticed in watching some stellan skarsgård <laughs> Items in the past. Uh, and just very funny. He obviously won for his work in Chernobyl. Um, it was a great exit also. He was just like the eyebrows won it and then just walked off stage. Really good stuff. Love to thank a makeup artist too. Yeah. Olivia Coleman, your queen? Uh, yes. my The winning for being the actual queen on The Crown. Um, I would watch her just kind of be shocked and being like, oh goodness, <laughs> I didn't do anything. I, I haven't met my limit for it yet. So let's just keep it going, is what I have to say. Probably won't be the last award she wins, no, so I'm sure yeah. you'll get another crack at it. Any other great sp speeches, or should we go to worst? I think those were the highlights. Okay. Um, I thought the worst speech I saw was Renee Zellweger's. Yeah. Uh, Renee is a is is famously a bit kooky. Is she she's from Oklahoma or Texas? T Texas. I thought Texas. She, she was affecting a little bit of the you know the, the loopy Texas gal. You know, all the things that Brad did, succinct, gracious, direct, move on. Some it, jokes. Yeah, made people laugh. LDC, Titanic joke. The Titanic joke. I didn't, Renee was kind of a bit aimless there. You know, it's slow, a little daffy, yeah. I guess, which which I think is her vibe and, and to some extent is her personality. She like very famously sends emails that just go on for pages, like that features very large in the um, New York Magazine profile from a few months ago, but I was also watching like an old Hugh Grant clip where he's just like, yeah, she just emails you for days. How come um, you never send me really long emails? Well, I... Who has time for that? It's, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of my style in every single way possible. But I think that is her. So she is kind of rambling. But, you know, she she made the joke of who thinks their agents first. I do. But like, when you think your agents first... We, we kind of know what we're about to get. A little bit of a tough scene there. Yeah. Not what you want. We'll talk a little bit more about Brad and Renee as we go through the categories. Anything else to say about the telecast itself? Boring. And 188 long. minutes. That's how long it was. It, it just, it dragged. 
did drag a bit. I have to say it didn't help that I had to watch like the Eagles game beforehand and then the, the weird 20 minutes of space filler between Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels oh, yeah. in their Sunday athleisure. A lot of deep bad takes about where Tom Brady's going. Let me just say right here, the big winner of Golden Globes weekend was me because Tom Brady and the Patriots are fucking out of the playoffs. Good night, you bastards. On to the rest <laughs> of the races. Let's start with best motion picture, foreign language, why don't we? Great. I do believe this was the first award given. And um, it went to Parasite. It did. Now, we got to see uh, Bong Joon-ho and his translator Sharon on stage. They were sitting in these very chairs just two months ago. They're wonderful people. They, Bong made an amazing movie. If this didn't happen, I think the internet would have imploded. Yes. So I'm happy that that happened. I thought when this happened, perhaps for some reason a run was of some sort was going to happen. There was a lot of energy on Friday and Saturday about all the parties. And there was a big party on Friday night at Sunset Towers put on by Neon to, to celebrate Bong Joon-ho and Parasite. Now, quite a bit of fo- bad photos from a lot of your, your favorite Oscar bloggers capturing everyone worshiping Bong. I believe Guillermo del Toro hosted this party. And all of a sudden, a lot of that Parasite's gonna win energy started creeping in. Now, obviously, it couldn't win Best Drama here because it wasn't nominated, but Bong could have won Best Director. Mm-hmm. He could have won Best Screenplay. He settles for best motion picture foreign language. Yeah. I did get a little itchy this morning after having looked at all those photos. And I think also really Sunset Tower, number one party venue in Amanda's Great opinion. Great place. Um, so Sunset Tower, please host the big picture anytime please. you like. Sunset Tower, I literally got engaged <laughs> in your hotel. So I, I will come back anytime. It's a place of happy memories. Anyway... Yeah, and I and like Leo was there, and and all of the directors, yes. and I was like, oh, I should have picked him for director. Yes. I think Edgar Wright was there. Yeah. Noah Baumbach was there. All the right. and all the really smart directors, and you know, all the people who are like, oh, these people know what they're doing. You know, Greta was there. Like the tasteful group was right. there, so that made you feel something because you think of yourself as a tasteful person. Yeah, didn't didn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It it maybe means a little more for the Oscars. It could. It could. There's obviously a ton of warmth for this movie. Across the board, yeah. amongst fans, critics, and the Academy. So I think Bong will be there in all the categories. Um, but this is the best he did on this night. And I thought his speech was great. And he obviously had really one of the lines of the night, which was, once you overcome the one-inch barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to a world of wonderful films. I literally could not have said it better myself. Um, watch foreign films, you fucking Philistines. Next category, best motion picture animated. I don't want to cast aspersions, but I, I feel we should <laughs> I feel we should discuss this frankly. Okay. Can can we just put out a disclaimer? When this when this film won, I was like, I've never heard of this film before. And I was on a podcast where you read the list of the nominees to me. Well, I think you just go like temporarily brain dead when honestly, an animated movie comes up. I actually did. On the Golden Globes podcast, you started talking about this category and I really, like, then you asked me a question and I was not paying attention and I'm sorry about that. But it does happen. Yeah, you looked like one of the Night of the Living Dead zombies <laughs> where, like, slowly you turned to a, 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 a brain dead flesh eater. Anyhow. So, Missing Link one, Missing Link was released by uh, Leica Studios. It was created by Leica Studios, released by MGM Annapurna. And Leica is really one of the great animation studios in the world. It was started by Travis Knight, who was Phil Knight's son, the founder of Nike. And they've made some wonderful movies. They made Coraline. They made Paranorman. If you care about animated features, they made um, Kubo and the Two Strings, one of the best movies of the last 20 years. If you care about those movies, 
should check out what Leica does. They, they, they do incredible work. I think Missing Link is by far the worst movie they've ever made. I think it is legitimately not very good at all. Now, I wouldn't say that this is the greatest best animated feature category of all time. In fact, what it has is three sequels and a, a full-blown remake of The Lion King, which isn't even really animated technically, according to the Academy. So it's not like it was facing savage competition. That being said, Toy Story 4 is definitely one of the best movies of the year. And as long as you know what a Toy Story movie is, let me just say that it does not let down any of the Toy Story legacy. Missing Link is just a kind of whatever movie about the discovery of a Sasquatch. Like, that's it. And uh, I think that there was a lot of politics involved okay. in this win. Okay. That's, a, that's as, as safely as I can describe it. Okay. Let's just say that the, the campaign was very strong for Missing Link. They made a deep impression. That is also a, a great segue into the next category. Yes. Uh, that category is Best Original Song. Now, I, I, I blinked here on this one. Yeah, let's talk about this. Okay. I was going to tweet about it, and then I just thought it was, I, you know, better handled among us. Don't, don't tweet negative things about me, okay? <laughs> I just, I'm going to put that out there right now. Um, it's, it's, okay. I'll, I'll admit to what I did, which I, don't, I have no shame about. Yeah. This was the only thing that I changed off of our last conversation on this podcast. Right, and, and what I wanted to discuss is, like, I didn't know we were allowed to change that. Well, I make the rules. Yeah, you do, but then you don't communicate the rules to me. Well, pays to be the king. Yeah, I guess so. Just ask Mufasa. (laughs) All right, whatever. Speaking of Mufasa, the change that I made was to spirit from The Lion King because I learned that Beyonce would be at the Golden Globes over the weekend. And I thought, if Beyonce is going to show up, how can they not give her a prize? Because she's not doing anything else. She didn't present an award. She didn't sing. She just sat there in a chair with Mm Jay-Z. Now, apparently she showed up an hour late. She did. Which I respect. Yeah. I believe she showed up during Ellen's or during Kate McKinnon's presentation to Ellen because they cut to Beyonce and Jay Z, who were listening and respectfully, but they're definitely standing as if they've just they arrived. They just arrived. Yeah. That's incredible stuff. <laughs> I was wondering why they were seated so far back. They just yeah. hadn't made it to their seats because there was an yeah. acceptance speech yes. happening. Fabulous stuff. Yeah. So, anyway, I presume because Beyonce, who, you know, is well within her right to stay home from an award show if she wants to, she's got enough damn awards. She showed up. So I changed it from I'm going to love me again from Rocket Man to Spirit from The Lion King. Yes, but. And then Beyonce crapped in my hand. Yes, or Elton John and Taryn Edgerton. Did we, did you listen? I meant to listen to find out whether it's Egerton or Edgerton. Edgerton, I think. It is Edgerton. Yeah. Okay. Um, they campaigned like crazy and went to all the parties. Yes, they did. And, and hugged and. They were and at the high grateful. tea on Saturday. Yes, of course. And then they uh, won some Golden Globes. They did. And it was a perfectly nice acceptance speech from Bernie Taupin and Elton John. Um, They mentioned that they had never won an award together before, which I don't totally understand. I guess they haven't won a Grammy that they shared. That is what they were suggesting. It seems very odd, but nevertheless. Moving on. We're not going in order of the awards. We're going in the order that we we set them out now, henceforth. Okay. Best original score. Mm Mm-hmm. I picked Randy Newman for Marriage Story. You picked Alexander Desplat from Little Women. Neither of us was right. No. It was Hildur uh, Gundadatir from Joker. Yes. Hildur, who I thought gave a nice speech. She did. Who had a very strong score. Um, I thought this was going to portend the Joker sweep that I anticipated. Yes. That I predicted. It did not. Though I do think that this is the kind of award that helps at the Oscars. I think seeing her up there being celebrated 
helps for Academy members, especially Academy members who admire Joker. Now, there's a lot of other good scores here, a lot of very famous people. Still think Thomas Newman, especially after what we just saw with that Best Drama Award for 1917, could come out of nowhere to win this one. But nevertheless, any any observations from the Joker win? I was also nervous that it would pretend a full sweep, and it didn't. So, you know, this is one of the things where I began to wonder how much you have to take into consideration who the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is and I've like whether their kind of international voting will be replicated in the Oscars. It's hard to say. I mean, the, the body is more diverse than it ever has been. That's true. But it's hard to know what it's hard to know what this branch is looking for. I just don't know enough about it, honestly. And and we should look back at some point and make that one of the big races in the next few weeks to get a, a close look at the kinds of scores that have won in the past and what that could portend. Best screenplay motion picture. I didn't see this coming, but it did explain a lot. So I believe that you and I both picked Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, which I thought after this award would mean that it was going to get shut out, but then it didn't get shut out. Nevertheless, Quentin Tarantino won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, He gave kind of a wonky speech that I thought was like half beautiful and half kind of all over the place. And it was like, Self-congratulatory, but also, like, be, like beautifully sweet. I thought what he said about Margot Robbie was, like, right on. Yes. Which was the, what Sharon Tate's, the Sharon Tate character does in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, like, the most pure thing that's ever been in a Tarantino movie. The least acidic, least cynical, sweetest, mo- maybe most sincere thing he's ever put in a movie. So I like that he highlighted that. Um, as soon as he won, I was like, well, he's definitely not winning Best Director. Because yeah. they, they, they're just not going to give it to him here if they give him this award. And they did not. That turned out to be true. You asked me if I think this will affect the Oscars after this happened. Oh, I did ask you that, yeah. I, don't, I actually don't know. I don't either. You pointed out that it's 10 screenplays instead of five with Oscars because there was adapted um, in addition to original. I just, again, this is when I'm like, I I don't know how much in, in the, lo- not in the lower categories, but in the... um just kind of smaller voting number categories, how much the, like, HFPA predicts what a voting body will do. Like, I don't know whether the Writers Guild and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association really share a lot of interests, especially when you're putting 10 things on the board. Why don't we look back at some previous winners? That'll give us a little bit of insight here. I mean, just in the last few years, you've got Green Book, which won. You've got three billboards, which I believe also won. You've got La La Land which I believe also won. You've got Steve Jobs, which also won. Did it? Birdman, which won. So it's, they're predicting her correctly? Did her win Best Original Screenplay? Yes, her did win because I remember thinking that Spike was the second person to win an Oscar for a movie about that marriage. Django, which won. Midnight in Paris, which I believe also won. Okay, so... Hmm. Interesting. A lot of previous winners. I'm sure I got one or two of those wrong just in walking through it. But for the most part, you're looking in the last 10 years, somewhere between, I think, seven and nine of those nominees went on to win Best Screenplay. So, you know, if Tarantino wins, this will be his third win in the category. If that means he's not going to win anything and win any of the other awards, either Best Picture or Best Director, I think that would be pretty disappointing for him, would be my guess. Um. I enjoyed his note that when you write a screenplay, the only person to thank is yourself. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people appreciate that. I I fucking (laughs) loved it. That was the realest shit I heard all night. Um, Let's take a quick break before we go any further and hear a word from our sponsor. 
Tonight's episode of The Big Picture is brought to you by Bose. Bose AR is a first-of-its-kind platform that is an audio-first approach to augmented reality. Bose AR-enabled products have motion sensors embedded inside that can detect your head orientation and body movement while you wear them. AR-enhanced apps can then use this information to offer you tailored audio content. Disney and Bose are working together to bring fans a new immersive audio experience based on the beloved Star Wars movies. Available in the official Star Wars app and exclusively for Bose AR-enabled devices, fans can journey through an immersive 360-degree audio augmented reality timeline of Rey's lightsaber with spatialized sound for unique gesture-driven interaction where the user can freeze the scene, move toward elements, hear new content, and experience the story from new angles. Obviously, we've been talking about Star Wars on this show quite a bit. I prefer to experience it with Bose AR augmented reality. So to celebrate this partnership, Bose will also be releasing a limited edition Star Wars QC35 headphones too. Just visit Bose.com backslash big picture to learn more. Amanda, we're back. We've already talked a little bit about Brad Pitt. Let's talk about him some more. I would love to. Best actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. This is the Regina King Award this year. This is the Chalk Award. This is like there's nobody who's going to get in his way award. Do you, do, you, do you firmly believe that? I just that? got so nervous when you were saying that because I don't want you to take it away from me. Like, let's protect this, okay? I mean— I, Like, if if this actually becomes the Glenn Close Award and then it's, I don't know, Anthony Hopkins, who's a wonderful actor, suddenly stealing Brad Pitt's Oscar on Oscar night, I will riot. I will walk over to the fucking Dolby Theater myself or wherever it is, right across the street. <laughs> it is at the Dolby Theater. Yeah, and I will bang on the door and say no. I don't think that you banging on the door of the Dolby <laughs> Theater qualifies as rioting, just for the you record. Might, well, that, was, that would be step one. Would you also start like a Russian bot campaign against Anthony Hopkins? You know, Anthony Hopkins is very active on Twitter. Is he? Yeah, should we take him down in the next five weeks? No. Take him down a peg? I think he's fine. I think that let's just not take Brad Pitt for granted and let's not overthink as voters. I'm speaking here for the Academy. Let's not overthink it. Let's. I I think they'd prefer you didn't. Let's try. I I know that they would. Um, let's, Let's just invest and protect Brad Pitt, okay? I'm all for protecting Brad Pitt. He also looks like he is protected in a cryogenic chamber every night. It's yeah. astonishing it's, how young he looks. It's beautiful. Best actress in a supporting role in any motion picture. Gotta say my heart hurt a little bit on this one. And I don't even know why. My heart hurt for a woman who's worth like $500 million. But I, I for some reason, wanted Jennifer Lopez to win this. And I, I, we knew after we saw Hustlers that she would be nominated. And you called it very Globesy from minute one. And uh, she, she didn't win. Laura Dern won. Yeah. And Laura Dern's great. She's fantastic. She's wonderful. Yeah. So, and I thought she gave like a perfectly nice speech, but. She was, she was Miss Golden Globe when she was 15 years old. And it, you know, and I think she, she had that, she knows all the right notes to hit. But I, I do feel bad for Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez is a great actor who does not get enough credit or doesn't often get the kind of roles that let her do, um, give great performances like she does in Hustlers. And. It's nice having her around. Can I give you a list of all the films I wish Laura Dern would have won an Oscar for, you for her performance? Let's start here. It begins with um, Blue Velvet. Sure. And then we go to Wild at Heart. Truly yes. one of the greatest movies ever made. Then we go to Rambling Rose. Incredible. Jurassic Park? Why not? Give it to her. <laughs> Citizen Ruth? Yes, 100%. Alexander Payne's first movie, How Can You Not? Jurassic Park 3? No. Uh, Focus? How about Focus? 
Remember Focus? Not really. Very strange William H. Macy movie? Okay. No, no we'll pass on it. Focus. I am Sam. Sure? No, it's not ideal. Okay. Happy Endings? The Don Ruse film? I don't remember no. this. Inland Empire, absolutely. Mm, little Fockers? <laughs> no, we can we, we can give that to someone else. We can be generous. Do you remember when Laura Dern popped up in The Master as the woman in the hosting in that home? That home that they lived in when they were doing the class from the window to the wall? Oh, yeah. Laura Dern is unfucking believable She shows up in the best stuff. Wild, she was the best part she of Wild. She's so good in Wild. 99 Homes. Look at all these good movies. Downsizing. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And then Marriage Story and Little Women. Mm-hmm. She's going to win for Marriage Story. I feel fine about it. I, I think that's nice that J-Lo, she's going to win. Why was J-Lo dressed like a, a car a wrapped up on Christmas morning? I also, I'm not sure she was wearing that dress the entire time. I believe she was. She was? I believe so, Because yeah. when she, she was sitting down, bow. I didn't really, the bow was visible while she was sitting yeah. down. Unfortunately, they didn't even cut to J-Lo that much, I guess, because she was just mad. Where was A-Rod? Bobby, I, where was A-Rod? I think he came in the car with her. He was there. I no, saw I the saw photos. Him. Was he, they, they didn't was cut he on TV? Enough. Yeah, I saw him on TV, but it was when they were mingling. That was part of the reason that I asked you whether you would mingle if you were at the Golden Globes. Oh, A-Rod good. is looking real uncanny valley these days. Yeah. They, his I, face is way too smooth. I think he's getting a lot of moisturizing tips from his wife-to-be. Um, I just wanted to see him on TV. He was, briefly. <sighs> Poor J-Lo. Yeah, she, she's not going to She'll be fine. Oscar. Remember when we thought for a minute there was some Margot Robbie potential there? You mean tonight? Yeah. I, I honestly, if they'd said Margot Robbie, I would not have been surprised. I think they gave out this award um, after, but pretty soon after uh, Tarantino won for uh, screenplay and talked about Margot Robbie's performance in Once Upon a Time. And and she was she was up there because I think she was presenting as well. Because I think, oh no, she gave the award to him for screenplay. She did. She did. And I was like, oh, I could see this happening. What do we have to do to get Julia Butters in the conversation here? For supporting actor. Yeah. Well. Should we start a campaign? Should the big picture start a campaign for Julia Butters right now? Let's do it. There's only one and a half days of voting left. Okay. Well, it's not too late. You can write it in. Annette Benning didn't, the camera couldn't even find her. That was incredible. So, that, so was she there? Or I think she was. She presented something. Yeah, she was there. In a way, Annette Benning is everywhere. Okay. That's what we learn. I was She's like, like Diane Feinstein. I, She's everywhere. I was honestly like, is this viral marketing for the report that the camera can't find her? Like that, you know, that was very strange. I've never seen that before. You really, you truly hate to see it with yeah. Annette Benning getting abused by award shows for okay. 40 plus years. You do. Best actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. We did talk a bit about our boy Taron Edgerton. Now, for some reason, I thought Eddie Murphy and you thought Eddie Murphy and we but, were a high on SNL. That was it. And we, we, I, I really just, I need to go back and do, redo all my picks. Okay. I need to go back in the Avengers Endgame machine, go back in time, kill Thanos again. I am inevitable. And, and I'm not listening right now. <laughs> but I, 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 do, <laughs> I do think that we overestimated the Netflix of it all, I guess. Not a super strong night for Netflix. Yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting. We'll, we'll get to that in okay. a little bit. Um, Taron Edgerton won this award, and as you noted earlier, he worked really hard, as did Elton John. And um, I don't think we're going to see him in Best Actor, but if we do, maybe this helped. Maybe this helped. He gave a perfectly adequate speech. Certainly didn't hurt himself. 
I think that if we see him in Best Actor, it will be entirely because of the campaigning and going to every single event and doing everything to endear himself to everyone. And this is certainly a result of that. Mm-hmm. And if and it proves that the campaigning is working to a degree, to a pretty strong degree. Sure. Whether it can carry him all the way to the Oscars, I'm not sure. I feel like Rocky Man came out in 2006. Yeah. Doesn't that feel like a long-ass time ago? It really does. I was thinking about it the other day. We did such a long podcast about it. Oh, yeah. Well, you're such a big Elton head. I know. I, I do love Elton. We so. committed, I think we committed the appropriate amount of time, especially, I think it was released in March. It's kind of nice to have a movie like that in March yeah. to talk about. I'd love to have a movie like that this March. I'm not sure we're going to get that. Let's go to um, my favorite conversation of the night. <laughs> now, we've been speaking in baleful and sometimes angry tones about the movie Joker for the last couple of months. Thank you for using the first person plural there. Well, uh, look. I like the movie and you don't like the movie. I don't love the movie. This conversation to me is going to have nothing to do with Joker. This is a conversation about a man receiving an award and going on stage, taking that award in his hands and placing it on the ground. (laughs) Which is the, the greatest thing I have ever seen in an award show. I've never seen that before. I do feel like someone has done that But it was the disrespect in that gesture was profound. You took it as a sign of disrespect as opposed to deep discomfort? I mean, maybe he was just like so high that he couldn't hold it, but that was fabulous when Joaquin Phoenix did that. I loved it. I really enjoy Joaquin Phoenix, as has been discussed on many podcasts (laughs) in many forms. Did you think he was bringing his heat tonight? Yeah, I always do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. That's funny. I thought he was bringing it like, some kind I of I mean, heat. it was like all over the place and, in, you know, and 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 the pacing with him is very strange. Oh, my God. And he's like a he's like a he's like he's, Charlie Parker. He, he like, is, when's he going to play yeah, the note? He seems so uncomfortable <laughs> being around other people. Yes. And I understand that. And that, I'm also amused by it. That moment when they announced his name and he let out the sigh exhale. <laughs> And then kind of just dragged his bones up and, and you know, galumphed to the stage. Yeah. Magical shit. Yeah. I, I got to say, I live for weirdos who are so good at something that the people around them are like, it doesn't matter how weird he is. I got to give him a big statue. It's really true. It's fascinating. Because he obviously, could you imagine just having a conversation with the guy? Yeah, I could, but it would be <laughs> so weird. It's fine. Okay. Wow, you're really into Joaquin. This is amazing. I don't amazing. know. There's just like something, like he is definitely spacey, but clearly has gifts and is like also sort of. He turned it on at some point, and he's he like, "I'd like to talk about the fact that this is plant based, and I'd like to talk about you know I, and climate change more generally." And he did the thing where he's like, "I'd like to talk about all my fellow nominees," and I know everybody says this. There's like kind of an aw shucksness yeah. to Joaquin that I find really effective. I. It might also just be that I'm always seeing him as like Johnny Cash and Walk the Line, mm-hmm. which I I love that movie and I love that performance. Um, I would I would love to talk to him. I feel like I could I don't know I I could make it work. There is a, an insane psychosexual energy between he and Rooney Mara that is like if Professor Xavier and Jean Grey <laughs> fucked. Like it is so weird these two mutants who found each other. And have this psychic bond 
that is so beautiful and hilarious to me. I I just I get such a kick out of the whole Joaquin machine. I loved her headband oh that was God. like weird. It was like alien, beautiful alien bulbs on either side of her head. God like, bless. I can't overstate how boring so much of this stuff is. It's like, yeah. oh, is this gonna win or is this gonna win? It's like let's put a weird dude on stage and just start ranting leftist politics and the the awfulness of wealth porn and you know shitting on people's private jets, but also he's completely off of his rocker like the whole thing was fantastic i really just i hope they give him that award every year also i want to give him a podcast on the ringer podcast let's award. do it I, I i will be his co-host i volunteer <laughs> well, right we, now we know that amanda we, <laughs> we know that you will raise your arms up for the job do you think that um that speech helped hurt or did anything otherwise for his chances in a month i think it's probably neutral to help I think that actors love Joker, as you love to remind me. Yes, they do. And they and they love this performance. And I, this performance is great. This performance is great. And great. no matter what I think of this movie, I think he's fantastic in it. So I just I kind of think it's it's his for the taking. And he was locked in enough. You know, like everything that was weird about his speech came from a place of. Uh, genuine weirdness or sincerity. You know, there was a genuineness to it as opposed to I'd like to thank my agent. It's a good point. I don't want to make too much of a joke of it because I think he was being completely sincere. He was like, I don't believe in the comp- competitive nature of these awards. I love everybody who tries to put themselves out there creatively. I actually appreciate that even though it seems like pretentious bullshit. I do think he's being 100% sincere when he says that. Um, he's, he's just he's just a little bit of a strange guy and he's in a tradition of the strange genius actor of his generation. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis is a little bit strange. Marlon Brando was a little bit strange. These guys, and they're usually guys, tend to be a little bit unusual. Um, I hope he's unusual for another five weeks. Now, this probably spells doom for Adam Driver. Yeah, that's tough. But I think we knew that. I, I mean, this has been Joaquin's to lose, we think, since... November. When did Joker come out? October? Came out in October. I mean, I will say when I first saw Marriage Story, I was like, this is pretty crazy. There very rarely do performances like this come along. The one that Driver gave. I really, I, I stand by that. I thought, I think he's unbelievable. He's the young kind of actor, though, who ends up winning for some movie 25 years from now. And you're like, how, did, how does Adam Driver not have an Oscar? It's like Al Pacino had to wait right. un- until Scent of a Woman to get an Oscar, which when you look back through the movies he made in the 70s, it's goddamn insane he might be one of those guys we might now have to wait he may never have a 2019 ever again we'll see best actress in a motion picture drama you know we were a little hard on renee zellweger is it possible that she shanked herself here i think that you and i for the interest of the award season would like that to be so now we've seen this before we saw it last year that the the winner for Best Actress in a Drama last year was Glenn Close. She, she, was the she presumed, gave an amazing speech, though. That's true. But she was the presumed favorite for a movie that was little seen, even though Sean and I both saw it, um, that came out very early in the season. And it was just kind of like, this is Glenn Close's. And then at the end of the day, it was not. And I think that it we really have not heard from Renee Zellweger like, since Telluride. Like, there, there was the movie premiered at Telluride. It was released two weeks later. People are kind of, people saw it and I just have not heard from her again until tonight and I don't think it was an impressive performance. The, the thing is, what replaces her? 
The thing you got to consider with this award, though, is did she show up to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association events? And if she did, and I presume she did, and she's obviously a very nice person. If you've ever seen Renee Zellweger on the world, you could tell she's a really nice person. She was wandering all over the place to tell you, right? She seemed like an absolute sweetheart. She's ever talking to everybody, really um, friendly and approachable. I'm sure she's that way at all these industry functions. And that is, even with the Oscars, that still matters a lot. And if she's going to work hard for it, it'll probably be fine because she has such headwind on the award. I guess it's possible that, and to me, Scarlett Johansson is probably the story, like the person who should be trying to get in there. But I don't know if that's feasible. Like Charlize has already won before. Cynthia Erivo, I, I think of as a as a long shot. I think um, some of the actors in the next category, I think are long shots. Saoirse Ronan feels a little bit in that Adam Driver zone of like, You'll be around for a long time, kid. Yes. We'll see you in 2030. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll have to keep a close eye on that one. Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy. Aquafina won. Mm-hmm. I think this is the only one I got right and you got wrong. Yeah. Well, I shot my shot on this one. You did shoot your shot. I need you to shoot your shot more often. I shoot my shot all the time. It's just I'm often right, you know? It's so... usually right in the direction of Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. <laughs> uh Aquafina gave a very nice speech. It was lovely. She also made me laugh really hard. When her first line, she said, if I ever fall upon hard times, I could sell this, holding <laughs> a golden globe in the sky. I thought that was very enjoyable. Um, this was a weird category. I think Aquafina was the only reasonable choice because The Farewell is the only like deeply celebrated movie here. I think Knives Out, there's obviously a lot of love for Knives Out. There's going to be a Knives Out sequel. Did you see this? Benoit Blanc will, shall return. I did. Yeah, pretty exciting. Great stuff. Love, love Knives Out. Um, but yeah, Aquafina, I guess, probably maybe makes a push here to push out Cynthia Erivo in the race. Maybe, kind of, sort of. Depends on how much the Academy likes the farewell. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think that this changes the farewell's chances at all? Or well, not changes it, but boosts it. It might. It might. It's really fallen out of the prognosticator's view in Best yeah. Picture. It really has not. And I, I kind of felt that coming a few months ago. I just didn't think it was going to have legs on that. But maybe it bounces back. Maybe there's a lot we don't know. Maybe Xiaoxu Shen and and Aquafina and Lulu Wong script and a whole bunch of other stuff, maybe even Best Picture. Maybe all that stuff gets recognized. It's plausible. Given what's happened um, with the next two winners, yeah. or two of the next three winners, I should say, that feels increasingly unlikely. They're going in a different direction. So Best Director came fairly early in the telecast this, this year. I don't know if they always do it that way. I couldn't recall. So I chose uh, Quentin Tarantino. You chose Martin Scorsese. I thought both reasonable picks considering they both made masterpieces. I wouldn't have been surprised by Todd Phillips. Yeah. If, it, if they were going to go full globes, which would have been just, let's go batshit and pick a lot of weird stuff. I would have been surprised but delighted by Bong Joon-ho. Yes. And they chose Sam Mendes. Here we are. Now, let me go back to uh, Once Upon a Time on Twitter when I saw a movie called 1917 and I took out my phone and I tweeted something like a fucking asshole, like a jerk I who's got to get his opinions I out. I have talked to you about this well, and it's you a don't bad listen. habit. It's a bad habit. I apologize to you and, and to everyone who knows me for embarrassing them on my behalf. Uh, but what I said, I, I stand by, which is that as soon as I saw the movie, I was like, this is a huge problem for all the movies that thought that they were going to win Oscars because this is the Oscariest movie of all time. And I think it's very good. I'm, I was a big fan of it. I look forward to seeing it again. I'll probably go see it again on a big screen with my wife this week. It's very well made. Sam Mendes has made some very good movies. You and I spent 
two hours talking about Skyfall and the rewatchables. Yes, we did. Um, he has atoned for his American beauty sins, as it were, for which he won best, best Director, Best Picture, myriad other things. I did not see this coming, this win. Not even a little. Never even occurred to me. I was trying to recall. I do think, and it was probably on our like irresponsible early Oscars picks in October, then we were talking about the wealth of options in Best Director. And you, you obviously had Scorsese and Tarantino and Bong Joon-ho, but also Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach, Luang, the list goes on. And one of us said, like, watch Sam Mendes win it for 1917 after all that. He won it. Yeah. Now, what does this mean for the Oscars? I have no idea. I don't, I don't think Todd Phillips is going to be nominated for an Oscar. I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think he will be. I think given the immense success of Little Women, it'll be fascinating to see if Greta can get recognized here. There's obviously been a, lot, a big counter-narrative to the men won't go see Little Women thing that was going brewing in Hollywood a month ago. Best Director is the home of curveballs. This is the category that nominated Michael Hanukkah for a more, you know, like mm-hmm. this, they, they, they do some strange stuff in this category. It, it's possible that we see some, some weirdness, but I do think that this means the Sam Mendes will definitely be there. So that's was that spell doomed for who? Taika Waititi? Is he out? Like Probably. It, like, is Noah out? Is that possible? You know, it. it's, yes, it seems like anything is possible. Quentin and Martin Scorsese are not going anywhere. No, I think they're locks and not. I feel pretty confident about Bong Joon-ho at I, this point. I do too. So that's three. Sam Mendes is four. Yeah. We've got a roving wild card for five. That's true. I don't know. I The only thing is I wonder, no, I think you're probably right. I was going to say maybe you, maybe once when you can reward 1917 for cinematography and you can give Deacons the award that they, they don't do at the Golden Globes, then, you know, rewarding the Sam Mendes for director becomes less urgent. Because this feels like if you want to recognize, like, tremendous filmmaking, which it is remarkable what they did in 1917. Yeah, I I have really nothing bad to say about 1917. I mean, I think it's like, it's a war movie and war movies are very popular at the Oscars and we're in a war-like moment and I think that could work for it or against it. Um, you know, the film, according to Mendes, is a very personal story that is based essentially on stories that his grandfather told him about serving in the First World War. Um, I don't, I got a funny feeling about this. We'll continue to talk about 1917. But first we go to Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy once Upon a Time in Hollywood won here. I think anything else winning would have been cause for alarm. Yes. I guess there could have been a Jojo Rabbit moment, but the fact that there wasn't gives me a sense of relief. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not a comedy. It, it's funny. It's very funny. It's very funny, and also it has more or less happy ending. Yeah, but musical or comedy does not mean happy ending. Well, It's not I tragedy know. in I, comedy. I mean, isn't it? Well, if you're a 1917 fan. I was going to say, like, go through. I mean, I, you know, it's just, as you said earlier, it's category fraud to put this movie in this category. Yeah. There's, I, never, I did not laugh harder in a movie theater than when Leo was in the trailer, ate fucking whiskey sours. That is the funniest. That's, that was brilliant stuff. But, you know, this movie is fairy tale-esque, I suppose, but it also is essentially fully dramatic. It's about like a breakdown. It's about like a person going on the other side of their life. That's true, but played for... Played for the sweeter side, as as Quentin himself said. There is a a, a, a softness to it. That's I don't a- know. And there is also something about it. It's just like old Hollywood. You know, it, it is referencing all of the 
Technicolor 60s and 70s movies that are like, it's not a musical, but you know, it just has that vibe of from another era. I'm not, I, whatever, whatever they need to do to win. I don't care about category fraud. I'm the only person who's just like, do what you got to do to win. It's a made up awards show. <laughs> we may be nearing the end of the podcast because you're, <laughs> you're, the gaskets are loosening. I no, think. but I, I'm on record with that. <laughs> like, who cares? I have real problems. You want to run in supporting actor or in comedy? Like, I don't care. Your biggest problem is trying to shorten award shows. That's the biggest <laughs> problem that you have. Um, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood remains one of the three frontrunners for Best Picture. Now, whether this win means anything, I don't know. I don't think David Heyman gave a particularly um, evocative speech. Quentin demurring and deciding not to speak for a second time thought was a surprising choice. Um, probably would have been good if he gave a great speech. Yes. Or I think you just, you don't, you want a memorable moment. You want someone whose face you can associate with the with right. the film. Right. You need an avatar. Yeah. David Heyman is not that avatar. Great producer. Yes. He frequently it's produces David Heyman. It's just great films. Yeah. So we go to best motion picture drama. The nominees in this category were The Irishman, Marriage Story, Joker, The Two Popes, and the eventual winner, 1917. I was I was quickly taken back to the Bohemian Rhapsody moment from last year. I was like, oh shit, this is what's happening. I think I look at this for months on end and I, I, I do the Zach Galifianakis hangover galaxy brain math okay. equation in my mind. Oh, is that from the hangover? Yes. Oh, I, okay. it's when they go to the casino and they go to make some money. I've always wondered. Well, now you know. Thank Check you. out the hangover on the rewatchables. <laughs> wonderful podcast about a wonderful movie directed by Todd Phillips. Um, 1917 won. It did. I don't know. I, I, it's very I, predictable. It, it, in Is some it? ways, I think if you're, I don't know, it's like both the, it's the first, it's the no brain and the galaxy brain, right? Of just, of course, the, you know, very stately, technically impressive war movie is going to win. It's the Oscars. That's that's what always happens. That's what people take seriously. There's a reason that so many people got so mad at us for cutting Saving Private Ryan from Tom Hanks's Hall of Fame because it's like you can't. The war movie is the important movie, and I don't. I'm not. I don't mean to denigrate 1917 in any way by saying that. I thought it was like very impressive parts of it were very moving, but it just kind of is the Oscariest of Oscar movies. So I agree with you completely. Yeah. This is the Golden Globes. It's not the Oscars. This is my problem with this whole award show this year. Too many of these choices are good. This is the real problem. Are they? Give me Jennifer Lopez. Give me Eddie Murphy. Give me things that I'm like, what is this? Are they good? I think they're fine. They're pretty good. They're they're not offensive, right? They're not. Yes, they're respectable. They're not Bohemian they're Rhapsody and Green Book. But, I, you know, I was thinking this is a year where we have The Irishman and Marriage Story and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Little Women and Knives Out and The Farewell and The Souvenir and Uncut Gems and like keep going. All of these like really exciting, vibrant movies um, that feel new in some way or if they are feeling if they're old, then they're a reexamination of something old. And 1917 feels technically new. That's true. But it's it's definitely a war movie. And look at the acting categories. We have been kind of rude to Renee Zellweger just because we think it's boring that she's winning for this, like, pretty average biopic that not that many people have seen. It's Joaquin Phoenix is going to win, which is, he's very good. But, like, okay, that's not particularly exciting. 
the other winners, and Aquafina was great. Taron Edgerton, God bless him. Like, you know, that's not going to happen again. Laura Dern. He was like the Derrick Henry. He was just unstoppable. You just couldn't tackle Taron Edgerton throughout this whole damn campaign. Yeah. That just occurred to me. Love to make NFL playoffs references on this podcast. You just looked at me like you got no idea what's going on. I I was just moving on in my head to the next thing. But, you know, and Laura Dern, who we like, but you just made me go through Laura Dern's IMDb to pick out all the movies that we would have liked her to win for before Marriage Story. Yeah, Justice for Inland Empire. Yeah. And then, and then Brad Pitt is the one good thing. I'm just saying, these aren't bad, but it is not, like, a vibrant, rousing vision of, like, film's future or whatever. It isn't that. And the Globes never is that. And the Oscars really isn't that either. Yeah. Things are going to change. I don't know how specifically they'll change, but they're, they're going to change from this because they don't always hold across the board. I worry that the more respectable the Globes gets, the more boring the rest of the, the, the race gets. That's really a concern for me. I need more wacky Pia Zadora winning Golden Globe <laughs> stuff. You know, I need like, I need chaos agents in this award show. Do you think the fact that it's a shorter season and ballots are already out and people are kind of scrambling to keep up has anything to do with it? Anything to do with the two things becoming more similar? Yeah. Not necessarily. I think the point that you first made um, around this discussion makes a lot of sense, which is that there's just a lot of good stuff. So with so much good stuff, so much undeniable, like there's no denying the Irishman. Try to deny the Irishman, I dare you. Well, they did. Ask Bill Simmons. He 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 did a complete 180 on the movie after watching it a second time. Except the Golden Globes did deny it because they didn't give it a single award. But they nominated it though. They brought it to the show. Like right. in years past, the Globes would ignore obvious stuff. They would ignore great work that every critic in America was screaming about. Sure, like Little Women and Uncut Gems. I know they fucked Uncut Gems. Yeah, that wasn't. Cool. They fucked Little Women too. Yeah, that was bad. But a lot of this stuff is good. Nevertheless, getting stuck with something that is a little bit stayed when you have so much good stuff around it is particularly enervating, I think, in this case. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm struggling with it. That's all I got to say. Oscar voting closes in, what, 36 hours? Something like that? That's so weird. Very soon. And, you know, soon we'll have the Producers Guild nominations. That'll tell us a lot about what's going to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Soon we'll have the DGA nominations. Soon we'll have the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, which... If nothing else, will be fun for rubbernecking. And then January 13th, the Oscar know, nominations a, a are announced. A week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. A week from Monday, if you're listening to this on Monday. I hope, you know, some people don't stay up till 3 a.m. to listen to this. One of, can you make one rowdy prediction before we go? For a nomination? Yeah. By rowdy, you mean just... just pull a flex out. Okay. Well, you just put me on the spot. Don't be a coward. Okay. Thanos? I am inevitable. No, I'm not nominating Thanos for anything, Sean. He deserves it. All right, let's do... It's got to be in director. Okay. What if we do... I'll put Gerwig in there. Okay. I respect that's it. Not, that's not totally rowdy, but I could just see it happening. It's happened before. I guess so. What if Roman Griffin Davis is, is nominated? Is for Best Actor? I thought he was very cute. I'll tell you what, the less we have to like talk about or investigate the, the whatever of Jojo Rabbit, the more I'm like, okay, fine. I was, I was very excited to see Jojo's sidekick, the little friend Archie, in the, in, the, in the clips tonight. Really like him. 
Is that really the note you want to end this podcast on? <laughs> Whether the ten year old is going to be winning for best actor? Give me a closing thought. Give me, give me, give me something. Why don't you make an outlandish prediction? I just told you, Roman Griffin Davis. That's not actually legitimate. You don't think that's going to happen? I, I don't. Best actor is the most. Do you actually think Greta Gerwig is going to be nominated? I just think it's. You don't. In your heart of hearts, you know that this is a misogynist body that is not willing to acknowledge the work of women. You know it in your heart. I do know that to be true, but. Sometimes I think that they are also stupid and self-serving and want to do the token thing so that people don't Uh, yell at them. I see. Which is not to say that Greta Gerwig is a token nomination. In my mind, Greta Gerwig is one of the great directors living in Amanda Dobbins' opinion. You won't get an argument with me. Okay. You're one of the great podcasters living. Thank you. For Amanda Dobbins and the soul of Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) I've been Sean Fennessy. Please tune into the big picture later this week. Amanda and I are getting close to making some real Oscar predictions because it's just that time of the year. So stay tuned. We'll see you then. 